What's up, Redemption? How you doing? John Hendricks here, as always, for a brand new episode of the Threshold 4 Podcast. Hopefully you guys had a great Labor Day weekend and got to celebrate cooking out, taking a day off. But we were recording Monday night to bring you this episode. We're sitting down with Mr. Guardian himself, Justin Alstead, and we're kind of talking about his, you know, stepping away from the game, coming back, getting reacclimated, And then we're diving into kind of a reviewing a, an article that he put out back in 2016 that I found on Land of Redemption when I first joined the game, and I thought it was pretty cool and kind of always wanted to, you know, discuss the topic with him. So we talk about that a little bit. But glad you're here, and we'll get right into it. guys welcome into a brand new episode of the threshing for podcast my name is john hendrix as always we've got brad here how you doing brad what's up everybody feeling good here we are recording episode number 65 and we have a return appearance from someone who has been on the podcast before but not in a feature role but here we are featuring him it is the guardian himself mr justin Allstead. how you doing pretty good pretty good what's up everybody I figure we'll just go ahead and burn through the recent news because I mentioned last week that it was kind of a, a slow period for the game, and this week bears that fruit. We've got two videos from Tyler with his Tyler Talks, or whatever his YouTube channel is going to be called, but right now it's Tyler Stevens, and one of those is Support Overload, and the other one is Speed Freak Reborn. Speed Freak being a deck that um, I'm guessing is from a previous uh, generation of the game that maybe I don't know about. Do you know anything about that, Justin? Um, as a matter of fact, I do. It's kind of an interesting segue. Uh, Speed Freak is the name. The original deck uh, was from a deck I played in the 2003-2004 season. Um, it was actually uh, it was not the first Speed deck to be kind of a part of the game, but I think it was one of the first, if not the first, to have uh, really good success in tournaments. Um, that was the deck I actually ended up winning uh, Type 1 Multiplayer at Nationals 2004, which is my actually my very first Nationals, very first category, Type 1 Multiplayer, and uh, took it down with a, with a deck I called Speed Freak. Man, see, now I figured you might have some context of it. I didn't know that it was what you won a title with. Yep. So that is a pretty cool segue into, uh, you know, featuring our guest here. Now, Brad, did you sign up for the Lackey Grand Prix? <laughs> I, I never heard how many listens we had last week, so. Um, I believe we were sitting at 94 <laughs> when the the end of the third ended up like hitting midnight. I, I checked it, and I think we were at 93 or 94. Okay. So I was off the hook. <laughs> what was it? You you were at 100? Was that... Yeah, if we got to 100 before the signups closed, technically, mm. then I would have signed up. I mean, I, I listened to last week, so I, I yeah, played my, you did I did your my part. I did my part. <laughs> we just needed a few other people to do their part, but I didn't have any decks built in Lackey yet, so it's probably a good thing because I would have been limping across um, the line to sign up. The the, uh, the starter decks are preloaded at Lackey, you know. Oh, they they are, <laughs> they are preloaded, but I'm I'm not sure how well you're gonna do with a uh, with a starter deck these days. Although you could probably use the basis of that and then splash in some of the stuff from the new set. So just yep. put those colored borders on colored borders. Mm-hmm. Kind of helps helps make it easy. 
So the Lackey Grand Prix should be starting this week with round one of Series 12. And then Series 15 of the Zoom Discord Invitational is now open. So, Brad, here we are another week later. <laughs> are you going to sign up for it? <laughs> you going to sign up for the Zoom sign Discord? Up for Zoom. Hey, we'll, we'll say the same thing. We get 100 before the sign-ups, then uh, okay. we can do that. Fair enough. I'm not entirely sure when the um, the date or the deadline is to sign up for that. I didn't see that posted, but so if we get to 100, both me and Brad will play. That sounds fair. Fair. We'll have to um, <laughs> pick a night to deck build together or something. Maybe we'll just play Speed Freak, you know. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Tyler's already put deck. the deck out. We just got to take it. Well, you can play Speed Freak. I'll play uh, Support Overload. There you go. <laughs> On Friday, we should also have Hymns House of Highlights. I know that I told everyone last week that we should have had a tournament, and apparently I was wrong. I got my dates mixed up. So I'm sorry, everyone that went and expected to be playing on Friday night. Um, that should be happening this week, though, I believe. I tried to get confirmation from Jared before we recorded, and he ghosted me. So mm. sorry, Jared. If I send people your way for no reason again this Friday night, but <laughs> possibly a tournament for Hymns House of Highlights this Friday. And then the last thing I have here is a fundraiser update for our goal for raising $6,000 for packaging for the last two sets, Gospel of Christ and then Israel's Rebellion. We are at $4,890. Nice. So $4,890. So just a little bit more to go to get to the $6,000 goal. And that should have us putting those packages with the, um, the proper Tyler told us last week that the barcode on the back matching the product would allow us to get it to retailers to put it in the hands of more new players. So that's really cool to see that we're getting closer to that goal. So that is the slow week of news here for the redemption community. We got to get your brother back, Justin, where <laughs> we got to get Jaden back on the videos. You know, I'm trying to get him to, uh, for him and I to uh, record some live games. Uh, we've got a nice uh, uh, game table in our basement and uh, get the overhead uh, camera shot and get some, some live gameplay in. So I'm, I'm, I'm staying on his case. So we'll uh, hopefully get something out here at some point. Yeah, that, that would be awesome seeing some live gameplay between two brothers going to war. And then we'll have to find a way to get the Chamber brothers to to do it too so we can eventually have chambers versus allsteads there this whole back and go. forth thing <laughs> I, I mean i saw i saw the the preview of your wall there so <laughs> maybe yeah. Yeah. <laughs> little little spoiler the uh the trophy wall is is well in progress and uh, it's not quite finished um and i'm definitely gonna let Jaden be the one to uh to show the finished product on uh on his channel uh for one of his uh streams but uh yeah, John. John got a sneak preview. It's uh, it's looking pretty good. It does look great. I guess we'll just transition into our main conversation here. Um, before we do that, do want to make sure that we let you know that, as always, the podcast is sponsored by our friend John Early over at Covenant Games. So make sure you go and check him out to buy your sealed product. And if you happen to want a vintage VHS of Angel Wars, my man's got you covered. With good prices as well. So I don't know where you're going to get the VCR, but some people out there are listening like, what is a VCR? <laughs> Whatever. Hey, we actually know someone. Her name is Miss Betty. She has a VCR. So 
<laughs> Angel War videos. Angel War videos were played quite often uh, back in the day in Minnesota tournaments. That was we we had a lot of younger players, so it, it was a great way to keep them distracted in between rounds and like while they were you know after they were done before the next round started. So uh, you know, hey, if you got a younger play group, Angel War's uh, cartoons. <laughs> Definitely, I'm telling you the intro though, like the what is it, like the voiceover intro is still fire to this day. That's my that's my only cool thing about Angel Wars is I really like the <laughs> intro. Have you have you played it on the podcast before? Maybe you should. Uh, I, don't know, maybe I have played it on the podcast. I'm really not sure how that one didn't get flagged for copyright, but <laughs> um, I did play it on the podcast at one point, which nice. was really cool. I also played like what was it like twenty or thirty seconds of Carmen the courtroom? You remember that? Oh yeah, and I they love flagged Carmen. me so hard. Wow, yeah, really? They wow. were like copyright infringement. You cannot make money off this video, and I was like. Joke's on you because I don't make videos <laughs> for money because I would be broke. <laughs> I would broke. be, hold on, hold on. Broke. <laughs> there broke. we go. I'm a, I'm a huge, I was a huge Carmen fan back in the day. I, uh, those were, yeah, that was, that was until I got introduced to a wider selection of, uh, Christian music, uh, DC talk newsboys. Before that, it was just all Carmen all the time. Hmm. Definitely really liked uh, some of his videos and stuff that went with him as yep. a kid. Yep. Courtroom was still like, it, it was one of those that as a kid, it kind of like gave me chills. I was like, what is he talking about? I don't know, but I like it. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, what's the one where he's like going into like this old Western town? I've got my son hooked on that one. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Satan uh, bite the dust. Satan bite, bite the, the dust. dust. It's yes. like I've got two bullets. One's called the word and the other one's called testimony. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh you're gonna make me want to go watch that again now like i'm, I'm getting the chills now <laughs> <laughs> i guess we'll uh just kind of kind of start off here with a question that i've wondered myself for a while and i have not asked anyone specifically so i'll just ask you here at the source where the heck did the name the guardian come from yeah so i think that was uh back when uh the redemption message board was the easy board I joined that in uh, 2003 or 2000, maybe it was in 2002, somewhere around there. Um, kind of learned about the uh, the larger redemption community. Pretty much uh, before that, I had no idea that there was even a larger redemption community. Uh, so jumped on the easy board, had to pick a, uh, a screen name. And at the time, one of my favorite cards was Guardian of Your Souls. And that was kind of what I went with. Interestingly enough, there was actually um, another uh, member that had just the name just Guardian, but apparently he was not very active, and I think he at one point said something about it, but that was like the last time he ever posted, so I don't know, maybe I took his name and he just didn't like that, <laughs> but... Um, you ran him off. <laughs> something, I don't you know. specified you were the Guardian. I was the... Was just Guardian. Yeah, the Guardian, so... Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think I ever met him in person or like knew his, uh, actual name, but, uh, yeah, they, they didn't see it as being the same name. So I guess, uh, I got that one. Well, that's cool because you also are from a family that has a, a pretty cool name being that you all are referred to, I guess, depending on who's referring to you, maybe affectionately or whatever, Fortress Allstead, mm -hmm. and then you're the guardian. So I just, 
it kind of works together. Maybe you were the guardian of the fortress. Who knows? Something like that, yeah. You know, you could probably get some money because um, Cleveland just changed their name to the Guardians. So <laughs> you, need, <laughs> yeah. you need to follow up on they, that. They owe me a little stipend. But uh, yeah, actually, the so the Fortress Allstead, oh gosh, I have no idea how far back that got introduced. But yeah, it is true. I have, so I have, I'm the oldest of six siblings, and all six of us did play the game at one point or another. I've got uh, three brothers and two sisters, um, and then of the six of us, uh, Jade and I still play, obviously. Uh, Jordan Allstead, who some people might remember um, or have seen his name, he played for quite a few years. He was on the elder team. Um, and then our sister Britta, she still plays occasionally. We've hosted tournaments at her church, and uh, she's, of course, married to Tim Molly, who's also a former player. Uh, doesn't play much these days, but he still likes teaching the game. Uh, so he likes, you know, teaching younger players kind of the basics. And he kind of got out of the game when it just, it was a lot to keep up with. And he didn't, he was one of those guys who, um, if he was going to be in the game, he wanted to be fully in it and be competitive. And he just didn't have time for that in his life. And so, um, now he and Britta both really like, uh, you know, teaching the game and uh kind of be in that part of it not really they don't really lead a play group but they've got some young uh um, some young people at the church that Britta works at that they're uh introducing to the game so they're training curious minds basically yeah that's kind of their that's kind of their role like they're not super involved in like the redemption community at large but uh trying to yeah get some peak some interest and uh kind of help us grow our, our minnesota play group again you mentioned that you had several siblings that played the game or at least was interested in the game. Jordan, Jaden, and at least uh, you said Britta. Yep. Yeah. My other two siblings, um, Jonathan, he was actually a pretty, pretty involved player back in like uh, 2004, 2005, kind of that early, earlier. Um, Jonathan actually finished second at the largest type one event ever at nationals. Um, the, when Nationals was in Minnesota in 2005, uh, Jonathan finished second in Type 1. And actually, um, if we'd have been going by today's tiebreaker rules, would have finished first. The guy that finished first, Jonathan beat him. Um, but back then, the tiebreaker was lost soul differential. It wasn't head-to-head. Um, and the other guy had a better soul differential. So Jonathan, Jonathan finished second. Do you think you guys just having access to siblings that played, is that what led to... By all accounts, like, all of you were decent, at least. You're talking about one brother that finished second at the biggest tournament ever for Type 1. We know what Jaden's done. Um, Jordan has a reputation. Obviously, I think when I did Mr. Classic stuff, if I'm not mistaken, you have more titles than anyone else. Yep. By all accounts, you guys are really good. Do you think (laughs) just having access to players that played, you know, within your own home – is that kind of what led to it or do you guys just have a certain mindset for this type of, you know, card game? Um, yeah, it was definitely a, you know, you definitely get that iron sharpens iron type thing when you have people that, you know, play the game and, and we were all very competitive. So, you know, we wanted to beat each other and, you know, that meant you had to, you know, keep playing and you like, you couldn't just, you know, not practice and not get games in. Uh, but it also helped that we had um, a very uh, vibrant 
Twin Cities kind of redemption community back in those early 2000s, you know, from about 2003, um, probably all the way up to 2011, I would say. You could literally go to a redemption tournament every weekend somewhere in Minnesota for like about a year, maybe two years, um, kind of back in that uh, 2003 to 2005 range. Um, there was, you know, they, they were in different places. There was a Rochester, Minnesota group. Um, there was a group in Austin, Minnesota, and then the Twin Cities group, obviously. So there, there were literally months where I was going to a tournament every every weekend. So it almost got like Pokemon style for you guys as far as popularity. Yeah, a little in your bit. Local area. Yeah, I mean, it was like uh, the main, the biggest group was at my church. And so that was, you know, obviously it was uh, very involved with that. That was the group that uh, Bill Voigt led for many years. And, you know, there was a lot of us that were like old enough players that, you know, we kind of helped him out with the tournaments a lot, but then we were also playing. So it was just, we were able to host really big events. Uh, so there was actually one year, probably at the, this is probably in 2005, um, in the year that we held it at, at uh, in Minnesota and had over 250 people for nationals. But uh, earlier that year, there was a local tournament that we had like 80 people show up for, for a local. <laughs> 80 people yeah. for a local. That's, yep. that's nationals this year, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man. I guess that was a hotbed for redemption back in the day. Yep. With all that success, uh, you did kind of step away from the game, I guess, about the same time that like COVID became a, a big deal. I know that I went to my first nationals in Texas, and it was like there was so many people that weren't involved in the game at that point or, or at least traveling to tournaments or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I know that some of the thought was, well, we might – you know, we might lose some of these people. They might not come back, you know, step away from the game. A lot of times people, it seems like there's there's a, a thought that maybe they, you know, are just done with that phase of playing the game or whatever. But it's nice to see that you have come back and transitioned to that. So uh, maybe could you explain maybe the, the reason why you took that, that step away? Because you were pretty involved. You were like on the leadership team at the time and all of that. So it's kind of a big deal for you to step away. Yeah, so I've actually, I've had a couple um, stretches of years where I've been less involved. Um, after the, uh, so in 2007, um, that was Kansas City Nationals, and then the following, and I was, so after that Nationals, I was I was really involved in the game. And then uh, 2008, um, I missed Nationals that year because I had a, one of my good friends was getting married that same weekend, and so I, I missed that one. And that kind of, I don't know, maybe uh, put me in a little bit of like, you know, I just, you know, I was like, oh, I miss nationals and now I just kind of want to take a little bit of a break. Um, so from like 2008 till about 2011, um, I took a bit of a break, just not playing as much. Um, I didn't get to 08, 09 or 2010 nationals. Part of it was um, my job situation starting in 2010 was um, extremely busy during the summer, so that was part of it. Um, then 2011, Nationals was in Minnesota. I went to that one, obviously, because it was hosted at my church. Um, but I still wasn't playing a whole lot during the year, just because um, other life stuff, work stuff. Uh, then in 2013, uh, came back. That was the New York Nationals. I uh, got back into the game, and then from 2013 to 20, 
17, I had probably my best stretch of, you know, playing competitively um, with, you know, playing in Minnesota and then, you know, regionals, nationals finishes. I think I, you know, I won nationals in multiple categories, type two, mostly in type two. And then in 2018, uh, I think I missed that year's nationals. I don't remember what that one was for. And then, um, again, just kind of took a little bit of a break after that. Um, and then, so I've kind of, and then I, you know, I was still involved, um, but wasn't playing as much. Um, our play group kind of didn't really disperse. It just kind of, you know, people started getting into other things. So we had tournaments less frequently. Uh, and then 2021, uh, I again missed nationals because of a, a wedding. <laughs> so, uh, so I got, so I was at nationals at 2020, kind of the, the small COVID year, um, 2021 I missed. And, and so, yeah, during that, so it's kind of during this last hiatus, I guess you could say, um, not to steal that from Tyler. <laughs> um, it was mostly just, uh, I was pursuing other hobbies, other life situations and, was, was definitely not anything negative, like where I was, you know, burned out on the game or burned out with, you know, whatever, you know, people in the community or nothing like that. Um, yeah, I just was kind of was pursuing other things and uh, um, just wasn't making it a priority. And yeah, so that was kind of the, the story on that. Um, I think as far as like being like a play tester and kind of on, on the elder team, I did... Um, I did a little bit with, uh, LOC and, um, GOC development, but not nearly as much as I had been for the, the sets before that. Um, I think Prophecies of Christ was kind of the last set that I had a lot of, you know, participation in as far as like the play testing and, and creation of that set. Um, and then, and then kind of, kind of from LOC forward, I, I took a step back and just kind of was more of a, you know, kind of poked my head in here and there um, when I was when I was invited to, you know, either make suggestions or play test and, and stuff like that. So with all of the uh, the breaks that you've taken and missing nationals and the fact that you are already have more titles than anyone else, you could say you're just kind of giving everyone else a chance to catch up. <laughs> we can we can use that there. You know, yeah, yeah. I, I started playing. uh you know, I should mention, you know, so back in the day, kind of going back to that a little bit, um, I started playing Type 2 um, kind of early in my, you know, competitive redemption career, I guess you could say, or whatever, because a lot of it was because I was tired of, like, me and my brothers, like, we just kept running into each other in tournaments, and it was like, you know, we, we were the toughest competition we had, and it was like, well, why don't you just play type one and I'll play type two? That way we both get to win <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, have, have a better chance. So that was, uh, but then Jordan started playing type two as well. And then I had to go, you know, battle him in type two. And, you know, there was a couple of years where I won type two at nationals in 2013 and he won it in 2014 and I won it in 2015. And we just kind of went back and forth a little bit. But yeah, so that was kind of the, uh, you know, and now, you know, letting Jaden kind of take over type two for a few years there, you know, I, you know, that's, that's, that's fine with me. I'm okay with that. <laughs> uh, 
do you miss the the side of it being involved in helping develop those sets or is it just kind of a relief not having that responsibility and being able to just appreciate the game itself um i'd say it's a little bit of both um if it gets to a point where they are looking for um for me to jump back in i think i probably would do it but i'm i'm certainly not expecting like you know they've got a really good team um you know john and gabe marcus and, and tyler and chris uh, I think Joe, I, I think those are the main kind of um, playtest, elder, you know, kind of development team. I'm certainly willing to to jump in, although I don't know um, if I can necessarily, you know, commit to what they'd be looking for um, as far as, a you know, uh, you know, time commitment for like, you know, kind of the full development. Um, you know, if they ask me to jump in and, and help play test some stuff, I think I'm, I'm back to a point where I can, uh, commit to some of that. Um, but I think right now, the biggest thing that I want to try and do is, is kind of enter the, uh, um, the host role, um, for like, you know, tournaments in Minnesota, trying to kind of regrow the Minnesota play group. Um, we've got a couple like preteen age students at my church that are very interested in the game. And then one of their dads is also very, you know, getting into the game. And so um, we've got a nice little foundation. Um, we've got a few, um, you know, players that have kind of been around the whole time. Uh, Nathan Voigt is one of them. we got another guy, uh, Jonathan, um, not my brother, but a, a different Jonathan who's been around a long time. Um, and they're both still interested in the game. Uh, and then uh, Bill Voigt, Nathan's dad. Um, so we've got a nice little core of people that I think we can try to kind of get a group going again um obviously we're not i don't think ever going to get back to the numbers that we that we had back in the early 2000s but um you know i wouldn't say it's it's outside the realm of possibility that you know we could get to the numbers that would be needed for a, a nationals back in minnesota at some point so i think that's where my primary focus will be um like it's like during the you know regular season of redemption i guess you could say and then trying to um, you know, do stuff online and stuff to kind of prepare myself to be a little more competitive at, uh, you know, at future nationals. Like signing up for these tournaments like Brad's going to do. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah, I signed up for uh lackey grand prix and, uh, I was in the, the Rob M's tournament and then I think I'll, I'll probably do that again. So yeah, I just, uh, I enjoy playing and, and one of the things, honestly, like when I kind of stepped away a little bit was just, there wasn't a lot of that uh, going on, um, at the time as far as online play. And I've definitely found that, you know, I, I need to get games in or I start to, I start to lose interest, you know, cause I, I love deck building. I love, uh, brewing up new deck builds, but then I actually want to play them. And if I don't get that, that chance to play with them, then it's, you know, my interest kind of, kind of fades a little bit. So that's fair. I have been in that boat to where like you're really excited about this deck and then there's no tournaments because we don't have a good local play group here. Not mm -hmm. yet. Right, Brad? Not yet. Not yet. We have some uh, tournaments with Jeremy every now and then, and then it's just the big ones for the tournament season. So I definitely get that side of it. Yep. But like last week on the podcast, Brad, you were mentioning that coming back into the game, like for nationals or whatever, and just reading the GOC cards and comparing to what like you knew from LOC or whatever, GOC was like ratcheting things up, going up another level. It was kind of like Emerald, like, you know, 
we're gonna cook it up a notch and um just a lot of a lot of different things cards were doing several different things seems like every card was drawing two or more um and it seems like the speed just kind of cranked up with goc so when you came back and goc was now kind of the thing the hot new toy on the shelf um how did it take getting acclimated to that and then how did that compare to you know you last mentioned that you were less involved you know after 2020 so you didn't get to see like the heavy loc era um, or meta and then right into the goc so how did that compare to kind of where you left off and then picked up with goc yeah so i mean i i still even this past nationals was not super familiar with goc um i think i i did participate in some of the online tournaments when loc was kind of the the new thing but i didn't like ever play in the uh, the loc only uh events um i always did the the regular event um so yeah goc was definitely like i i knew i didn't know it very well and that was you know even at this past nationals um i only had one goc card in my deck um and that was a uh, crouch choice because that's a, a pretty easy one to to play um but i didn't I didn't, I knew some of the, the strategies and some of the common, um, you know, things that I had to be thinking about, um, just from, you know, obviously, you know, being around Jaden and, you know, kind of, you know, he showed me some things. Um, but yeah, I was definitely, you know, I, I you know, in, in Nats 22, um, you know, GOC had just come out and I, you know, I saw some, some things with that. And or I think yeah, the Nats twenty two was I think just phase one of GOC at that point. Yeah, phase two came out at nationals. Right. Yep. Yep. So there wasn't even the full GOC at at Nats twenty two. Um, and then yeah, and I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to like GOC uh, phase two. I, I like I mentioned, I did a little bit. I helped with a little bit with the development of phase one, and then phase two of GOC is kind of where I. You know, I didn't really do a whole lot as far as like development, play testing, stuff like that. I just kind of, you know, completely stepped away for the time. Like, I think we we still hosted like one or two tournaments a year in in Minnesota, but um, I was not, you know, doing the work as you might say to keep up with, you know, the current current strategies. And so it was it was pretty eye opening, I guess, in the sense I, I I knew that it was going to be, but it was still like you know, there was stuff that I was finding out and, and, uh, at nationals, you know, in type one, the big event and, you know, and I, and I knew it going in, but it was still like, man, I wish I would have maybe done a little bit more work, um, getting prepped. So with Mr. Classic, it was really easy for me to just pick up the classic cards, build a deck. I knew what I liked. I knew what I had played with that. And, I feel like that almost kind of gave me a false sense of like, oh, I can just do the same thing with like the new rotation sets, but I can't because I, I never actually like used those. So I guess you mentioned there that you get really, um, I guess, engaged by the, the challenge of deck building and then playing. And it seems like with your level of success, maybe the competitive side of the game being like highly competitive kind of, I don't know if that amps you up a little bit. Um, I would I would say that like at least from Jaden reading Jaden I feel like it does amp him up but he's never going to show it so I don't know if you kind of are the same way 
But how did you enjoy the kind of setup of Mr. Classic? And then did that kind of pull you in? Because you had just came back to Nationals. And then I guess at that point you were given an invite to this thing called Mr. Classic that I don't think anybody really knew what it was going to be. They were just like, we're going to run this tournament. It's going to be this. We've got this belt that John Early's wearing. And (laughs) it was just kind of this complete unknown, but it was kind of really cool because it was like we're trying to get the top players in the history of the game and to be considered one of those. Did that kind of spark that fire for you? A little bit, yeah. Like not, not right away, probably just because, like you said, no one really knew you know, what was, you know, when it was first announced, like, you know, what it would, what it would actually look like, you know, was there actually going to be a weekend where you get like all eight people or, you know, eight, eight of the top players to, you know, to come for a tournament and how is it going to look like, you know, obviously it wasn't going to be a, you know, a nationals like, you know, so are people even going to be motivated to show up? And so I, you know, maybe right away, I was just kind of like, yeah, if it works out for me, I'll, I'll do it. Um, and then as it got closer and it was like, oh, like, oh yeah, this thing is happening. Like, this is going to be, you know, we've got this, this lineup confirmed and, you know, these players joining, I was like, all right, yeah, like I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to try and do well. Um, I, I definitely enjoyed doing the, the interview with you as the, one of the, you know, when you did the lead up interviews, that was pretty fun. And so, and then listening to all the other ones on the way there, um, definitely enjoyed that. Um, it was uh, it was pretty funny to to hear Tyler pretty much predict everything that everyone was going to do. He he nailed me pretty good, but uh, but I still beat him. So, <laughs> well, that's all that counts. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, you you can know what's coming, but if you can't stop it, then you know, like that's uh, you know, doesn't matter. <laughs> Absolutely. So with Mister Classic, I I guess everyone would say that from just that initial thought to having the tournament. It's hard to picture anyone saying that it was not a success. Uh, we even got to have the community wildcard play in, and not only did Mark make it and travel all the way from New York, but then had the upset that not to bash John or anything, because I mean, upsets are going to happen mm-hmm. in competitive, you know, atmospheres, but to actually have that play out. And that was pretty cool because we had built up so much about the community wildcard in this. And you talk about that podcast, and it was super fun recording all those. But all I remember is, like, for the next week, my voice was shot. Uh, (laughs) Like, I think I even did, like, the intro to tell people about the interviews or whatever. And I had no voice. Like, it was cracking and everything. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. (laughs) And uh, the editing side of that, man, I probably spent, I probably spent, like, 12 plus hours editing the thing yep. and putting it together, but it was definitely fun. And I really liked, uh, the, uh, the thing that really killed my voice was cutting that promo for, uh, Mr. Classic, like the wrestling style promo <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> top eight in the history of the game. Yep. And it was, it was all fun until like the next day when my, my voice was shot, but I put a lot of effort into that and I enjoyed it. And we went and we, we had the tournament and seeing you guys and doing the commentary for it. I thoroughly enjoyed just about everything about it. I think there was hope that we would have a few more players show up, you know, apart from the ones that were playing in the tournament, just a few more spectators and things and have a bigger tournament that next day. But we still ended up with like what close to 30 players. Yeah. That that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, part of that is just, you know, it's the first time, you know, no one's never, ever done before. I mean, like I, I think back to another, 
know, Minnesota, we had the type two only tournament for many years. And, yep. you know, the first couple of years we did that, it was just a, it was a Minnesota thing. And, and Bill Voigt put that together as kind of a, you know, he wanted us type two players. Cause like, you know, the, a lot of times the tournaments back then there'd be like, you know, everyone played type one. And then it was like me and maybe one or two other people would play type two. And so we would get like two games in every tournament. And so Bill's idea was just, hey, let's have a tournament that's only type two so that, you know, the type two players that want practice for the big tournaments get, you know, four or five games in, in, you know, tournament, like kind of like a national setting. Um, and then everyone else who is not normally a type two player uh, can get a little introduction into type two to kind of dip their a toe in the exposure. water. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Maybe they'll, and we actually, you know, we had players that they're, once they gave it a try, they're like, oh yeah, this is actually kind of fun. Like I, you know, and they ended up playing, you know, they didn't all convert to just playing only type two, but you know, if there was, um, you know, a bunch of type one players and they thought, hey, you know what, maybe I'll just do type two. Cause I've got, you know, there, there might be two Allstats playing type two, but they're still a third place, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but then through that, we ended up getting a lot of good type two players. And like, it, it got to a point where it wasn't just me and Jordan, you know, finishing first and second, um, or me and Jaden finishing first and second. Um, you know, Nathan Voigt became a very good type two player. Um, we had another Nathan, Nathan Lieberson became a very good type two player. He placed at nationals. Um, I think in, uh, it was the one in the first one in Texas, um, where he finished ahead of both me and Jaden, some other ones I'm forgetting, but you know, other, other players who definitely, you know, became very, very strong type two players. Um, and a lot of that came out of the, the type two only tournament, but, uh, kind of going back to the, the Mr. Classic, like it, it wasn't a big tournament the first couple of years and it just kind of grew. Um, until we were getting people from, you know, out of state, just like, you know, we were hoping for with Mr. Classic where, you know, we got, um, Gabe and some of his guys coming up from Iowa. We had, um, uh, Josiah came out one year for the type two only. Um, Jonathan Gomez came out one year. Um, Alex Olahar, who just kind of jumped back into the community. He came one year for the type two only. And so, you know, all these people that, uh, you know, started coming from out of state for this, you know, this one tournament where it was just, you know, type two and type two multi. <laughs> so with that, I guess, um, with an expectation that if we have it again, it's going to grow and, and just keep working on getting better. I hope that, uh, I hope that's the case. I know that the plan is for us to do it again. So with that, are you as one of the, I guess the participants in that top eight tournament, are you looking forward to challenging for that belt? I know it's right there on the wall behind you. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's literally. Everyone on the podcast can't see it, but I yeah, I can't see it right now. But I know it's there. Yeah, it's literally uh, sitting right in front of me, just just off to the left of uh left. Where oh I'm yeah, sitting. that's right, because you turned the camera around. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll let Jaden I'll let Jaden uh, do the big reveal of the trophy wall. But yeah, it's it's sitting kind of uh, smack dab in the center of the trophy wall, and uh, yeah, I, I definitely want to move that to to my side of the the trophy wall. Yeah, see, see, that's what I'm thinking. And uh, have you guys kind of done any trash talking with that? Uh, not really. I think we're, um, my brothers and I, we, we we definitely competed against each other and, you know, wanted to beat each other, but um, we were never uh, sour or, like, you know, mad when the other person won. Like, if it, if it wasn't going to be one of us, we definitely wanted the other one 
uh, to win. You know, not, that's not to say that, you know, every time that, you know, Jaden won and, and I didn't, that I was like, you know, happy and like, you know. But all wins build up the fortress. Exactly. Yeah. It, it, it kind of <laughs> got to that point where it's like, you know, yeah, like it was, it was any, anything that, you know, keep it, keep it in the family. That's kind of our goal now is, you know, you know, it, it'd be, if it, if it came down to the same next year where it was me and Jaden in the finals, and he got me again. It, w- it would definitely be a little bit frustrating, um, but you know, just keep keep it in the family, keep it in the fortress. So, and Brad, I know you're hanging out over there, and you're you're not really involved in the conversation here. But the next conversation, I hope hopefully you get some good stuff out of that, so you can learn how not to be put on tilt. But uh, <laughs> one last question before we move on to that that conversation is, as a former you know person pl- that was involved as a player all the way up to being um you know involved with the elder team helping with set development play testing and all of that what is your thoughts on the current direction of the game obviously we've been focused on like new player experience you've talked about hosting your sister and tim you mentioned being involved you know trying to teach the game but not necessarily worried about the super competitive side um so knowing that the game's moving to transition to kind of focus on that with new starter decks, kind of cleaning up the wording and maybe simplifying some of the abilities. What do you feel about, like, how do you feel about that direction of the game? And how does it compare to maybe some of the the ways that the game has, or how has it evolved to that from all of your history throughout the, because you've been around since, I don't. <laughs> I mean, you started talking about tournaments in two thousand two, two thousand three. Um, so I mean, you have at least got twenty years of you know exposure to the game. Yeah. So I think the uh, the first thing to keep in mind is that change change is rarely easy. Um, and I would say that, uh, especially when I was you know more heavily involved with the development, like. Uh, we had we had different types of people on the the team, which was good. It 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 made us kind of challenge each other, and and ideas were like um, kind of thought through. But we had uh, people like me who were um, a lot of times resistant to change, didn't want you know to um, to maybe always jump into something that was you know going to be a huge change. Then we had other people that were a little more like. Like, oh, yeah, we, we need to do this in order to, you know, to improve the game. Um, we had other people that were kind of in the middle. Like, sometimes they'd be on board. Sometimes they'd be a little more hesitant. Um, so we had, a, we had a good mix of people like that, um, you know, especially when, when I was involved. Um, and then, you know, other, other players, like uh, when Tim Molly was involved, he was um, definitely kind of more... Um, like a traditionalist, I guess you could say, where, you know, let's, let's keep the game kind of the, you know, look for ways to improve, but generally keep it, uh, the same, like, you know, and then obviously I, I kind of stepped away from, from that role. And, um, there's obviously been a lot of changes in the game in the last, uh, couple of years, um, which I think for the most part have been pretty good. Um, I can't say that I would be like 100% on board with everything that has been done. I, it's mostly in terms of like uh, some of the rule changes, but I can at least like, I, I don't think it's been anything that's like, 
you know, there's been nothing that I've like, you know, come back to and it's been like, oh, wow, I'm not sure I even want to like play anymore. Certainly nothing like that. Um, just things that it's like, oh, did I, did we really have to, to do that? And, but, but I trust the guys that are making those decisions. Um, obviously I, I know them all and, um, you know, I know that they have the, the best intent, uh, for the game. Um, so I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm okay with, you know, trusting that, you know, if they make a decision to, to make a change that it's, that they've got the best interest of the game at heart and that if it's something that, you know, if they get wrong, I feel like they're, they're the kind of guys who are willing to say, yep, we got this wrong. We're going to, you know, make another adjustment or, um, you know, do something else to, to kind of fix that. So yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty confident in in the team that's kind of leading the development and and I do like the direction um, that we're going with like Israelites Rebellion and um, the uh, the new starter deck. Like I I like the kind of the simplified stuff. Um, I think it's kind of been pretty well established that you know the the power creep on GOC maybe got a little bit uh, turned up a little bit too much um, and kind of pulling back from that I think is is a good thing. Um, sometimes you need a set like that, like GOC. Um, I think it's been talked about before. Um, I thought I remember one of your the podcasts that I listened to from you guys where uh, the Warrior set uh, was definitely way, you know, higher power than anything that had previously been done. Um, but it more or less, you know, saved the game uh, from kind of, you know, dying out um, because it got people interested. It made It made the game a lot more complex and, and therefore more interesting and, and more attractive for people to want to actually invest in it and, and, uh, and do some, uh, you know, do, do more with it. Definitely a good, good way to look at it. And I think maybe it was even last week I, I drew the comparison to, um, when warriors first came out cause I was, you know, giving rib shots to Tyler about the fact that some people consider his set that he, he took from start to end um, as the lead designer as a watered-down set, which, I mean, I think it's just another one of those things to where, like, when you have the power creep of GOC, anything short of that is going to feel yep. like it's, you know, quote-unquote watered down, even though it, it it's probably healthy for the game to pull back and get to that level of, of power within the set. But another thing that I want to talk to you about is when I first got involved with the game, just a little bit of backstory here, and I helped out, Gabe asked for, you know, anybody that had time that wanted to help out with Land of Redemption, and I was like, oop, me, I've got time. Uh, <laughs> what can I do for you? And we were trying to think of ways to generate some content, and there wasn't a lot of online content for the game, mm -hmm. but there was this wealth of articles that had come out, you know, four, five years back, or at least that's how some of, some of them dated, on Land of Redemption. And some new players, because it had gotten buried, wouldn't be able to find that unless they knew what they were looking for. So one of the things that we did was Spotlight, and we did this, like, what, what do we call it, like the hashtag that people do, like Throwback Thursday or something. And we went and we found a couple of articles. And one of the articles that I found was this learning from your peers, and all of them are actually really good. There's one that Gabe put out about being on tilt or whatever, um, knowing your role, whether it's you're the, uh, I forget the terminology he used, but 
whether you're the the player that's reacting or or leading the mm-hmm. you know the state of the game at the time and another one was the bad beat and this was bad one that beats. you put out and i remember when i first started the podcast i jotted down ideas and i went back to a lot of those old articles and i was like it'd be cool to do a podcast talking about this with this guy and here we are 65 episodes later <laughs> Finally got hey, there. <laughs> here you are, and here we are. We can talk about it because I thought it was really cool. Because when I first came into the game, I played with Jay, and Jay used to aggravate me when I played him. <laughs> and he would tell me that he would tell me that that was part of the game. Is like if you can put someone on tilt or whatever, like you have to. It's kind of like the game within the game is how yep. you can like push buttons of people. And I don't know how much. I don't know what everyone's take on how far you can go with that. We can talk about that. But um, then your article was like when something breaks in the game that's doesn't go your way, whether that's a misplay, whether that's, you know, you got a bad draw. How do you not let that spill over and affect this and then spill over and affect your other rounds? So I guess just hear from you since you put that article out, what would a, a bad beat mean within the context of our game? Yep. So a bad beat, um, you know, it's it's a term that comes from uh, poker, and it just generally means either something goes very unlucky for you, uh, or it goes very very lucky for your opponent, um, or it could just be, you know, something that you know you made you made a misplay that you know maybe shouldn't have cost you as much as it did, and it just so in short, just kind of something that doesn't go your way uh whether it's bad luck for you good luck for your opponent and then it just kind of completely uh flips the the momentum of the game um where maybe you were in a really good position and then all of a sudden your opponent top decks the exact card that they need and they they play it and it just completely turns the game uh from your in your favor to like now you're like way behind uh, so yeah, so when you when you hear the term bad beat, that's kind of where where that comes in uh, as far as like a, a redemption sense. Brad, have you uh, have you had any of those situations in your games? Because I feel like there's a there's a couple of games where we've played to where it's like, dude, you did this and that, and I just couldn't do anything. Or like last week, you were talking about somebody setting up on you so fast, and you're like, I couldn't play my deck the way that I wanted to, and then that kind of spills over into that mental aspect game of like, it's it's frustrating in that moment. It's frustrating that game, but then you go to the next game and you're thinking about that game. So do you, uh, do you think that's happened to you as a player being a, a newer player to the game? Um, I don't know how much background I know you played some card games, but I hadn't played much extensively until playing redemption. And it feels like, like that describes like half of my early games, like some of those three hour games we would play learning how to play. As far as uh, misplays go, I, I could definitely tell that I'd been out of the game for a while whenever I was uh, at nationals. Cause there was a couple times I just made some boneheaded plays. And, and I, I, I do feel like I got to the point where I was like, there's no recovering from this. I remember uh, one time I, uh, I was, I was trying to catch up in the game and I finally caught a break. Like, where I could play my deck how it was supposed to be played. And so I'm like flipping all my meat characters out there and I'm doing all this stuff and I get in a battle and of course I'm, I'm, I'm running um, impartial judgment and I got it all. I got um, 
ride on victoriously. I got impartial judgment. I go in. I got this whole thing covered. I'm thinking of every scenario. Boom, boom, boom. I play it. And um, I, for, I forget if either his hand was protected or uh, maybe it got tossed because uh, it wasn't on the right guy or something. Or I couldn't play it. I can't remember. But I ended up wasting my dominant, wasting impartial judgment, and wasting my rescue all in the same, <laughs> like, thing. So it was like, I think uh, th- th- that was definitely one of them. And one time I-, I went in and did a bunch of stuff and they didn't have a soul for me to rescue. <laughs> like, I didn't even, like, pay attention to that. I was just like, oh, man, I can't believe this. I can, I can tell you, as a new player, that one happens a lot, where you go in, you've got this big rescue, and then you're like, I don't have a soul. I'm not going to block. <laughs> yep. And it's like, you... you yeah, you use all these resources. It's just like, oh well, and it just feels like, man, can I? I just wasted all this, and maybe I even had like a, a well way to get a soul and just you know, completely fumbled it. So yeah. So how often do you guys think that having that situation? How how often would that lead to you being on tilt, or your opponent? Like if you see your opponent go through a situation like that, does it lead to the quote unquote tilt? And I guess tilt would just be kind of a prolonged uh, allowing one bad play to affect moving forward. One of the famous stories is John Early and his his play against Jay to where he was doing something and it was like if Judas Iscariot is in play or something and he had him in play. I forget what the what the setup there of that story was. It's been on the podcast. You'd have to go back to some foreign episode. But uh, just kind of like something that you missed like game state wise and you mentioned Tim not wanting to uh, be involved too much with the competitive side now because things do so much and the game has so many layers and within those layers is like okay I can miss that and now it affects several turns later Um, but how often do you think in your experience Justin that those bad beats lead to a player being on tilt yeah I mean it's going to be different for for each person. Um, I kind of talk about that in the, in the article where, you know, everyone's got a different personality. Um, you know, some people, if they're, they're not super competitive and something doesn't go their way to them, it's, it's no big deal. Um, obviously the more competitive you get, the higher potential, um, a bad beat is going to have to like put you on tilt and affect, you know, future decisions um, maybe in that game or, you know, and maybe even in, in other games in that particular tournament. Um, so for me, I know that, you know, and I'm, I'm definitely competitive. Um, I, I want to, you know, I'm not a win at all costs type of person, but like, I, I don't play, I typically don't play an event, um, just for only for the fun aspect like having fun um getting together people at nationals is awesome um but if i'm playing an event i want to do well you know and i and i might and i and i fully recognize like even going in this past year's nationals like i knew that i was not going to be competing for you know a top five or top three spot like i just you know i knew that going in i was just not gonna you know i hadn't done the work i hadn't done the um the practice putting it in but I still wanted to do um, the best that I could 
with a deck that I knew fairly well. And um, and so when I when I made a misplay or I missed a, a line of play, um, it, it did, you know, it did affect me. Like I, you know, I knew that like, oh man, if I had just, you know, taken this, this line instead of that line, you know, maybe I get one more soul. Uh, maybe instead of a, a tie, I get the full win, stuff like that. And I think it's just, it's important to not let it, a bad beat, uh, affect you, uh, for too long. Like it's, you know, the, the best players take a situation like that and, you know, they, they learn from it and then they just kind of, they let it go. Um, and there's been times where I've, I've done better at that. And there's been times where I've, I've not done as well with that. So, you know, even, um, even this last week, I, I played a game, uh, with somebody in the, uh, in Rob M's tournament and, you know, I lost a close game and then kind of going back through the game in my head, I was like, Oh, I realize now that I, I missed a line I could have taken to, you know, for me to win that game five to four instead of losing four to five. And so I think that, you know, you, it's, it's okay to, uh, dwell on those things. Um, you're probably better off doing it after the tournament's done. <laughs> um, so like in this case, it was just a, it was just the game for the week. So it wasn't like I was playing another game right away. Um, and so that can be harder, like, especially at nationals where you don't have necessarily time, um, in between rounds to kind of go back and, and reflect on and want one individual game, you know, maybe if it was a super fast game that you lost, but then if that's the case, then, you know, do you really, you know, maybe it's cause you lost really bad. So there was nothing you could do. So it's, it's tough to do that in a, you know, like a bigger tournament situation where you might have to wait until after the tournament's done. And then you can kind of go back through your games and like, okay, you know, did I make any misplays or did I, did I make any plays that could have been more optimal? Like sometimes you make a play and it's, it looks like the most optimal play. And then you go back and realize, oh, there was another thing I could have done, but it wasn't necessarily a bad play. So, um, I think the, you know, to become a really good top player, um, in any card game, really, not just redemption, you, you need to be able to do that kind of, you know, in the moment, brush it off. Um, and then later on, go back and, and go back and look at it, analyze it, and then, uh, and then learn from it. How much of that do you think, cause you mentioned their personality and sometimes players just have a personality that allows for other things to come naturally, mm-hmm. like something like this. Um, I would say that if I had to guess you have a personality that would be well suited for this type of, you know, letting it roll off your back a little bit more than say somebody that's highly competitive and is one of those win at all costs type of people, you know, but they build their deck in a way to where I'm going to win or I'm going to lose. And then they get mad when they lose type of thing. <laughs> yeah. But how much of that is just a, a natural thing that you have uh, with your personality trade or just the way that you are as a person. And then how much of that can be learned and kind of built up over time as you get more experience in tournaments. Yeah. I think for me, I, um, it does affect me and I, but I think I, I do have a pretty good, uh, grasp of my emotions. Um, I think I mentioned in the article, you know, that when the, the bad beat happened in that particular game, I just kind of, you know, I let it roll off. I just, I took a second to kind of refocus and just kind of like, okay, now that this has happened, 
what do I need to do to try and win this game? And, um, and then my opponent, even after the game, mentioned like, man, that was crazy. Like that happened. And then you just seemed to like lock in. Like he was, he was impressed um, that I just, you know, completely, you know, it, it, like it didn't phase me. Like inwardly, it, it was rough. And I'm like, oh my gosh, did I just blow this tournament? Like I know I need to, to win all my games if I have a chance to, to finish first. Like, did I just, um, you know, I, I took a, um, you know, I, I made a play that wasn't necessarily wrong and it just got really unfortunate outcome. And, but I was like, okay, now what do I need to do? Let's, let's focus. Let's just, you know, not worry about that. We can't change that. Let's just go forward. So, um, I think outwardly I'm able to not make that or like not show it. Um, I guess you could say it's having a good poker face again to kind of use a, a poker term. You know, some people, they might get a little more outwardly visibly frustrated. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, you know, we're all human. Um, and some people, you know, the emotions and that might be what they need. Like they might need to, you know, hopefully not like, you know, swear or something <laughs> like, you know, but you know, just kind of, where's, where's like, Matt at when you need him? <laughs> <laughs> like they just, they need to kind of have that like outward expression of like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that just happened. And then maybe that's what they need to, to kind of, you know, vent a little bit, get it out of their system and then they can keep going forward and, you know, use that. So, um, so everyone's different. Um, it, it does help to have the experience like when you've had when you've had experiences like that and like if you've been playing the game long enough you've had both the good ones and the bad ones like um, I'll readily admit there's been times I've gotten very lucky in like particular situations where you know I drew the right card at just the right time or I uh, I remember one time I randomly discarded a card out of my brother's hand it was like he had nine cards in hand and I randomly discarded the only one that was going to uh, let me let him win the rescue. Um, like so basically a one in nine. Um, he ends up not getting that rescue and it ends up costing him the tournament and I end up getting first in that tournament. So, you know, stuff like that um, is going to happen both to you and against you when you play this game long enough and just recognizing that, yeah, it's there's going to be uh, chance involved. There's going to be, you know, luck if you want to call it, you know, that involved and you just, you got to roll with it both ways. And, uh, sometimes it's going to go your way. Sometimes it's not. And, you know, just kind of recognizing that. That article was written at, what was it? 2016. So that would yep. be like cloud of witness yep. is the newest set at that point. Obviously we talked earlier about the, the power level of GOC and, where we're at with a game and it seems like now if you were to have that bad break happen that bad beat happen to you maybe you don't get as much of a chance to recover because you don't have falling away to try to keep up you don't mm -hmm. have um, a two-line or three-line or soul you don't have some of these ways to slow the game down and the game moves at such a fast pace so how much do you think like the experience and whatnot that you put into that article, how do you think that has adapted and changed with the speed of the game? And do you think the the speed of the game changes your ability to be able to come back now or? Yeah, it, 
and a lot of it comes back to uh, where where you're at in the game. Like so, in this particular game uh, that I talk about in the article, like I was uh, first of all, it was, it was a Type Two game, um, and I was I was winning. Like I was in, I had a th- I think it was a three to one lead. I mentioned in the um, in the article, uh, neither my opponent or myself had played um, Son of God New Jerusalem. This is actually so the the game was from 2015 Nationals, um, and uh, so Son of God New Jerusalem was you know the big two at the time, and so you know I'm sitting with a three to one lead. Um, I still haven't played Son of God New Jerusalem yet. Like I'm I'm in a good position. Like you know it's the game was not nearly decided yet, but I was I was certainly you know, if you want to talk about, like, tempo or momentum, like, I was, um, clearly, you know, in the lead, and then, um, I get a little bit unlucky, my Son of God gets discarded off the top of my deck, um, from my own card, it was a a Jephthah Rescue, actually, it was a Jephthah Battle Challenge, (laughs) so I wasn't even, like, going after a soul, I was just trying to, to take out the only two evil characters that he had in territory, and, uh, and I randomly Jephthah, um, to uh, discard my son of God, and so part of my ability to recover was the fact that I was already in. Uh, you know, I was already ahead as far as like the state of the game. You know, if you're if you're behind, or you know, even like maybe at parity in terms of like where the game's at, and something like that happens, um, it's probably unlikely you're going to be able to turn that around. Um, like in today's kind of game and just like how how quickly games can finish um once someone starts getting some momentum and you know they have an opening where the like where the opponent's son of god gets discarded for with with no rescue something like that um so it so yeah i'd say it's it's harder in today's game um but it still depends on the the scenario you know if you're if you're already ahead and the the bad break just kind of opens the door for your opponent, that doesn't mean it's going to, you know, that your opponent's going to be able to pull it off. It just means that now you have to work a little bit harder. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely possible that with, you know, if you're already behind and something like that happens and it's like, okay, now you're just maybe trying to, trying to fight for a timeout win or something like that, I guess. <laughs> have you, have you ever in your 20 plus years of doing this, have you ever tried to intentionally put someone on tilt or make that you see an opening with a situation that goes against them or maybe goes heavily in your favor and you just try to push that to get them to play kind of on edge? Um, I don't feel like I've maybe focused on that. Like, I think there's been times where, like, maybe my opponent, you know, either made a misplay or, or got unlucky and then uh, maybe they started like, you know, so they started like, you know, stalling a little bit or like, you know, spend a lot of time like just kind of bemoaning their, their bad luck. And then I was kind of like, all right, well, we got to kind of keep this game moving. So it wasn't like a, like I'm trying to press to my advantage, but I'm trying to like actually finish the game. Like, <laughs> You know, like we've talked about, I know you've talked about like kind of the the issue with timeouts and, and stuff like that. And it's like, well, okay, so I know you just got really unlucky, but we we don't have five minutes for you to throw your pity party right now. So let's let's kind of keep going here. Um, I've definitely have done that. And whether that 
you know, kept pushing them, you know, that, that kind of depends on them. Like if they're going to let that be something that, you know, furthers their aggravation, but I'm just, you know, I'm trying to finish the game and, you know, so I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna allow them to just, you know, sit there and, and wallow in their, their bad luck. Where's the line if someone does kind of push into that or, or lead into that? Because I feel like, I don't want to say any names, but I have seen that at tournaments, hmm. um, maybe in a couple of games at nationals. Um, but where do, you, where do you think the line of kind of being that person that's trying to make that person uncomfortable with the way that they're playing, maybe play at a, a faster tempo than, than they're naturally playing? Obviously, we've got time limits and... You're supposed to be playing at a certain tempo, but you can also be the type of person that's kind of rushing that on or, I don't know, just trying to get them to play on edge because it gives you an advantage because you feel like you know your deck well enough and maybe they don't know theirs. You read into that and you kind of can lean into that a little bit. How much leaning can you do before it's kind of, it's it's not really on the up and up, in your opinion? Um, I guess, like, the way that I approach that is that you know especially in a you know in a game that's that's relevant to um you know one or both players you know competing for the top spot or you know trying to whether it's you know making top cut or you know if it's if it's a game that's relevant to how the tournament's going to finish um, i personally think that the only you know interactions should just be like as far as verbal interactions should just be the game, uh, you know, the things that are relevant to the game and not, you know, like making comments, you know, like, like, Oh, that was unlucky or like, Oh, I bet you wish you'd attacked with that hero or blocked with that evil character. Like, you know, stuff like that. I, I don't think that should be a part of those games. And it's, and you know, it, it's, it's supposed to be, you know, it, it should be like a, a fun environment. And, you know, I think there's certainly room for, um, you know, kind of that, that casual feel, but maybe not at the, in the games where, you know, there's a lot more on the line. I, I try to have that kind of respect for, for my opponent. Um, and I would, and I kind of hope that they would do that for me where, you know, if I just had something bad happen and I'm, you know, maybe taking a few extra seconds to um, kind of think about, okay, what do I got to do next? That they're not, you know, making comments while I'm trying to think. Like, you know, that that should be, you know, if I want to take, you know, my full 90 seconds or the majority of my 90 seconds in my prep phase to, you know, to kind of pause and think then, you know, I should have that to myself and not have to deal with, you know, someone else making comments. So I always try to, you know, not say anything when my opponent is, you know, thinking or um, doing stuff like that, unless I have like an actual, uh, you know, a game interaction, like, you know, um, asking for um, priority dominant initiative, um, making a you know something that i want to do and it with with the game um and then you know at the same time if it's a casual last bottom table of booster draft multiplayer type thing 
<laughs> then as far as that goes, That's where like, I'll be. <laughs> uh yeah and, and i've been there too you know so i'm i'm not you know i'm certainly not always at the the top tables um you know when it's a situation like that and something happens i think it's you know you, you really got to judge the situation and you know if it's something that's not going to be relevant to where people are finishing then i'd say there's a little more leeway to um like Oh, John, I bet you wish you hadn't put Jerusalem Tower on your booster draft deck. Like, <laughs> you know, something something like that. I indeed did, did wish that I had not done that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, like I've – actually, I, I do have a pretty good example of that. So I – there was a game actually at, at 2016 Nationals. Um, I was actually playing against Jaden in Type 2, and he made a, a very uh, bad misplay against me and it basically you know what was a pretty back and forth close game ended up kind of being a blowout for me um, because of this misplay that he made and but you know certainly wasn't going to do it to my brother and I don't feel like I would do it to anyone else I you know we just we moved on I didn't you know bring it up and then even after the game I said hey don't let this affect you you know just shake this one off go to your next game play your best game and you know you just got to forget about that and um because yeah it was it was a pretty rough one and it was one that you know you know i i ended up winning the tournament that year and a lot of it was because that game with jade and i you know it it should have been a game that was a lot closer and if if it was a lot closer if he would have won i don't know if i ended up winning the tournament or not um and so yeah it was just it was just one of those things and yeah so that was that was a situation. That's the kind of situation where I, I don't, I don't want to like uh, rub it in to to someone that like, oh, I got really lucky, or you got really unlucky, or you, uh, you blew that one. Like, you know, that's it's a uh, it's a lot of you know reading reading the situation and you know understanding like, hey, we all get lucky, we all get unlucky, and and there's no need to to gloat or to. Um, you know, kind of shove it in someone's face. That's, that's kind of the way that I approach it. You know, others might see it a little bit differently and that's, that's totally fine, but that's, that's kind of where I come from. Another thing that I think has kind of come to light in the last couple of, couple of nationals. And I think it's also kind of because we're seeing more deckless shared. And so people are seeing common lines of play within brigades and then within certain archetypes. And then when you play that, um, and I know that at least at least a couple of times I've sat down and played a game, and this is one of those that you're talking about the respect of not interjecting a lot of chatter while your opponent's thinking through their plays and their lines of play. But when you've gotten so familiar with it because you've seen people play it in the Lackey Grand Prix, the Zoom Discord Invitational, whatever, and then you know that, hey, we're trying to get these games in quicker. And so, yeah. You know, somebody puts down something like um, Patmos and they go and get Angel from the Sun or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And you're like, okay, and you're going to play that. And you're going to go get, you're going to go get either Justin Martyr or you're going to go get your Matthew. And it's like, okay, calm down. Let mm -hmm. me think and do what I'm going to do, whether you know what I'm going to do or not. And I feel like there's a lot of that. Now people recognize lines of play and now they, they're trying to let you know that they know what you're doing so you can just go ahead and do it as fast as possible, but then it kind of 
on the other side, I know that some people get affected by that to where it's like, stop. I don't care what you yep. think I'm going to do. Let me do it in my own pace because you're messing up my train of thought. And I feel yep. like that's actually happened a considerable amount the last couple of years as people have gotten really familiar with certain decks and, and lines of play and things of that nature. And also kind of the element of we're trying to get these games in faster, speed them up. How do we do that? You try to let them know, hey, I know what you're doing. Go ahead and do it. But yeah. you can throw them off with their line of thought. Is that something that you've seen? Uh, I have. Um, I had a game. I'm not going to – I don't want to give too many details on it because I'm, I'm not trying to, to call anyone out. But I, I definitely had a game where um, it kind of felt like the opponent was just kind of commentating the whole game, uh, both from their perspective and then what I was doing. Like, like they were – it was like they were, like, live streaming – and so they were commenting on the whole thing, and I'm just like, <laughs> it was Jaden. <laughs> <laughs> Again, not giving away any names, no. Um, and I was, it it did start to get get at me a little bit. I was just like, okay, I just need to uh, ignore this, and like, you know, I I just I just didn't interact with it at all. Like, I just you know, said what I was doing, um, and made, made my plays and just more or less didn't acknowledge any, any of that. And so, um, it also didn't help that I had a bit of a, a headache that, that day. So <laughs> that certainly wasn't helping matters. Um, absolutely not. I, was, <laughs> I would reckon, but yeah, I would, uh, I would encourage anyone who's, who's listening, uh, maybe this can be my, my PSA, uh, moment. Um, you know, let, you know, be, try to be respectful, be, be self-aware. Um, you might know what the opponent's about to do. You don't need to announce it for them. Let them, uh, make their decision. Um, you know, there might even be times where you give them a idea that they didn't have, <laughs> Yeah. Um, See, I was thinking about that too, to where you're like, you're going to do the thing and then you're going to trigger that. And they might've missed that trigger. Yeah. And you just told them, Hey, do that. Yeah. So that's why I generally, I don't say a whole lot at the, during my games, um, unless it's like a, a game interaction thing. Um, that's just kind of been, that's always been my style. Um, like, especially in the one V one, like competitive, like, game you know something's on the line type of games um obviously if it's a a casual game or like a a multiplayer you know fun game but there's also been times where like in multiplayer and this was kind of a a big issue uh back in the day um this might be a whole nother podcast thing to talk about sometime but uh not as relevant now without multiplayer or mostly without multiplayer um but table talk and what's the where do you draw the line with with table talk? That was um, that was a big issue uh, back um, in the days when multiplayer was obviously um, you know one of the one of the categories. And because if Justin can't get to one, he can't get to. <laughs> that was yeah. I mean that that was always that was always the joke. That was uh, I'm pretty sure that was Matt Brinkman who started that um, <laughs> uh, specifically in Type Two Multi, where it was like. Justin can't get to seven if he doesn't get to one. That was kind of the the rallying cry. But there was also times where I I literally 
got second at a regional tournament um, in multiplayer because of a, a table talk thing. Um, and that was the same year I ended up winning type one multiplayer at nationals. And so that second place at regionals also cost me a chance to get first in RNRS at nationals or, you know, after nationals. So, you know, it was, it was definitely one of the less good things about, about multiplayer was, uh, was table talk. Yeah. I can, I can sense that, uh, that would be an issue. I feel like sometimes that it, it feels like we're crossing the line when we do teams as well. You know, the whole, <laughs> like you, you were there in Iowa when Jeremy's telling me how to basically run this deck. I've never played. Yeah. I well, like, okay. <laughs> I, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. So I think with, with teams I've, it's, at least it's better in teams. Cause it's like, okay, it's, it's established that, you know, you and your teammate can help each other. And, and to me that makes sense. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the, the issues in multiplayer, um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to start a whole long story, but the, the, uh, kind of the short version is someone literally said, Hey, attack me. I'll give you the lost soul. So Justin can't get it. Like was basically what they said out loud, you know, in a multiplayer game, like attack me instead of him. And then I'll just give it to you. And then Justin won't be able to rescue. <laughs> That definitely sounds like a, a line of talk that I've heard several times at multiplayer. So, <laughs> like, attack me and I'll just give it to you. Yeah, that 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 can definitely lead to some uh, some saltiness, I guess you could say, when uh, you know when when stuff like that comes up, and you know, again, it it ends up you know costing someone you know where they end up finishing in the tournament. So, definitely see that. And maybe maybe your perfect uh, public service announcement there will uh, fall on some ears that, like, it's one of those things to where you don't want to directly complain to someone about it, but it's like, nope. if I could just wring your neck while we're playing this game, <laughs> I'd probably do it. <laughs> and it seems like, I, I, I mean, I don't think anybody intentionally does that to uh, try to gain an advantage or make you, and maybe it's kind of the... Maybe in someone's head they're doing the thing that I mentioned earlier where you're trying to get someone to play on edge or whatever. But I don't think – I think it's really just kind of innocent and, and not meant harmful, but it's like they're oblivious to how it impacts your thinking during a game. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, some people just they, – they process out loud. And, you know, and I don't think I would have minded as much if um, the other person was just like – processing what they were doing like that's totally fine um if they want to you know play as if they're you know live streaming and they've got an audience listening to them i guess you know that's that's them but um where it really started to get to me was like every time i made a play the opponent was like commenting on that play <laughs> and it's like I, I i don't need that thanks i i, I know what this does <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. So I guess that that will be uh, all of the, the stuff that I had to go over. And I'll make sure to link that original article again back from, I believe it's 2016. Yep. Learning from our peers, the bad beat or whatever. I'll link that on the podcast so you guys can go and check it out. It's on the Land of Redemption, but we'll link that. Brad, I, I feel bad. You, you've been hanging out with us all night. I've been doing all the talking. I'm sorry. <laughs> No, nah, man, it's all good. 
it's pretty, it's always cool hearing from somebody that's got so much wisdom about the game you know it's like because we you know especially like me and you i mean i don't like i don't know when you become not a new player it still feels like we're a little new even though we've been in it, i guess four years now um but comparatively, you know, you can always learn a lot from people who've been around for a long time and have seen a lot of different situations. So I'm cool with just listening to it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I guess that will be all I have. Do you got anything you want to leave with the people, Mr. Guardian himself? Um, I don't know. I guess just that I'm looking forward to uh, being more involved this season. Um, that's my plan. You know, obviously I can't. I can't promise anything. I can't guarantee anything. You know, sometimes God has other plans. Sometimes life has other plans. Um, but I definitely want to be uh, more involved this season and uh, try to sharpen my skills to maybe take a run at uh, a type one, two player at nationals next year. Um, you know, like I said, I, I went in this year, kind of basically the past two years, you know, 22 and, and 23. Um, certainly not expecting to um, compete for the top and more or less just, uh, you know, hoping I finished more or less like, you know, 500, so to speak, um, you know, wins and losses, um, which is pretty much what, what I did, uh, the past two years. But, um, yeah, hopefully I can, uh, you know, be, stay more on top of things and, um, definitely would like, uh, would like to take a crack at, at maybe getting that type one, two player title. Um, that's the, um, that one in booster draft are the only two that I, I haven't won. Um, I did have a type, I did have a top three in booster draft one year. So someone's going to have to kidnap booster Jones if you want to win that thing. <laughs> I mean, he, he can't get an absurd pull like that every year. I mean, I know he's done it like twice now, but come on, like, you know, man, I like, I feel like I've never had like either of his booster draft decks. Like I've never drafted a deck as good as those, like in any tournament, like ever, like, you know, and I've, and I've done booster drafts with like, you know, eight packs, you know, <laughs> he still can't pull as much good stuff as, uh, as he did. So it's, it's crazy because in the district tournaments that I've, I've done with him and the state tournaments that we've done together, regionals, he's always got a really good deck. And I, I don't, you want to talk about, you said the bad beat could be something that happens bad to you or just you're really lucky for your opponent or, or whatever. He's got the luck aspect to where if you're playing booster against him, the bad beat is just that you're playing against him. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the way it goes. That's Brad yeah. figured that out at nationals. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I came up against him first round. I was like, yeah, we did. We drafted two different decks here. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's crazy. Like, you know, just looking at his deck and it's like, there's like five or six cards in his deck that like are all better than my best card. Like, you know, like how does, <laughs> like, how does that even happen? Like, um, and, you know, it, and obviously it's not to take anything away from him as a player, but it's like, yeah, pretty much, you know, you can take your handful of top players in currently in the game. Um, you know, and I'm, and I'm not even like, I don't even consider myself like a top player, like at this point or like, you know, this, these past couple of years, um, but I feel like I could have taken Brian's deck and, and probably won with it. Like, you know, it's, you know, any, any experience, like well-experienced or, you know, like a top player that even if they're not, you know, maybe if they're even like a newer player, you know, 
mo like those those people can take a deck that's got like what he had and I feel do do pretty well and you know credit to him for pulling it off like you know it's they still got to play it like you you still can't make mistakes and credit to Brad for giving him the deck yeah <laughs> helping giving it to him good job Brad <laughs> hey secretly we actually had something go into you know I passed them all my oh, good cards. Okay. That was some of that table talk we were talking about. You know, I was like, "Hey, dude, uh, yeah. if if you'll share the uh, the winning prize with me, I'll." I'll send you so all he gave you half half of a son of God. Someone, someone check Brass Binder for the promos that. Uh... Well, I guess we'll get ready to leave it there. Definitely want to thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Justin, for coming on, yep, kind of sharing you. a little bit of your uh, your reentry into the game and. I heard it here. I don't know if you guys heard it, but pick up on it. He said he is challenging for type one, two player at national. So the guardian is coming for the title Yep. and Jaden doesn't yet have a type one. Uh, no, he has type one, two player. What's yep. the one he doesn't have? Is it sealed? Yeah. Sealed. Yeah. Sealed, uh, sealed and booster. Um, okay. And you need type one and booster. Yep. And then, so, we're we're trying to see which which brother completes the set first, right? <laughs> yeah. So so Jordan, I think Jordan is still. I'd have to go back and check, but as of like a year or two ago, Jordan was the only person to have a top three finish in all the categories at nationals, um, and that's including the multiplayer categories. So I know there's obviously without the multi you know multiplayer categories aren't um, you know official categories anymore. So maybe there's uh, you know, somebody else that's now finished in the top three in, in all five of the, the current categories. But, um, yeah, so that's kind of my first goal is to get that, that top three finish. And, you know, if we get to the top three and then, you know, might as well go all the way, right? Like get the, get the first place. Might as well. <laughs> might as well. As long as they all come back to the fortress. That, yeah. Yeah. As long as it's, as long as it's staying, staying in the fortress. So. Well, I guess we'll get ready to end it there. Reminder that the Zoom Discord invitational signups are open right now, so get with Rob M. Let him know you want to play. And then hopefully I'm not lying to you guys this week, and Jared will be doing a House of Highlights tournament on Discord. You can go ahead and check that out. If I am wrong, I'm sorry. And if we get to 100, what did you say, Brad, 100 streams, listens to the podcast episode before signups close for the zoom discord invitational that you and I will both sign up. I'm we thinking finished uh, the last one at like yeah. 93, 94. I'm thinking it needs to be 101 this week. Yeah, 101. Just because I mean, I'll, I'll listen twice. If that's 101 what it takes. Listens. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But anyway, I think, I think we're closing in on, it's either 7,000 or 8,000, um, total, total streams. And none of that includes like YouTube. For some reason, YouTube isn't included into there. Um, stats so apart from YouTube people that listen on YouTube I think we're closing in it's either 7,000 or 8,000 total streams or listens since we've started the podcast so 65 episodes that gives you kind of an average of we're, I mean we're, we're doing set steady numbers I think yeah. definitely uh, feels like it's worth you know sitting in a closet and recording a podcast <laughs> so well, I, 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 I appreciate that, you that's a good uh, baseline yeah, I appreciate you having me back on. Um, it was really fun to do the first one, and I'm, I'm glad we even got to do a little bit of a, a longer one this time. So, uh, yeah, hopefully I'll, uh, you know, 
get to get to come back on with you again sometime and uh, maybe as we get closer to mr classic to have another uh other mr classic intro series that'd be pretty sweet yeah where you you're doing some trash talking and gonna take the title from your brother right maybe maybe a little <laughs> bit of that will have to happen just uh you know play the, the the mind games you know those those can happen before the tournament like i said i I don't want to play the mind games during the game, but uh, going into the tournament, we, we could definitely play some mind games. <laughs> that sounds cool. Definitely thank you guys for listening. Thanks for being on, and we'll end it there. Peace. Peace. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this episode of the Threshing Four podcast. As always, I want to thank you guys for you know tagging along with us, listening, and being fans of the podcast want to thank covenant games for always sponsoring the podcast and just a reminder that we've got a him house of highlights tournament coming up this friday maybe get in there play some games even if you're not playing come hang out you know if i'm available i'm gonna pop in there and just hang out so you've got that also sign up for the zoom discord invitational week one pairings for the lackey grand prix Series 12 is out, so make sure you play in those games, and we'll catch you next time. Peace.